The IDP Pros Podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million are up for grabs. Get all the details at CircaSports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A Sports.com. The IDP Pro Players Pod is a proud member of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, home of the hottest, smartest, and fastest-growing sports gambling and fantasy football providers in professional sports entertainment to date. And now, without any further delay, here's your veteran, infamous No Dirty O in season and senior IDP pros, Johnny the Greek and Gary, the IDP tipster, coming off the edge as always with their deepest standard league NFL defensive takes. Welcome back to the IDP Pros Podcast. My name is Johnny the Greek. I am joined, as is tradition, with the senior IDP analyst for the SGPN Network, the man, the myth, the legend, the IDP tipster, Mr. Gary Van Dyke. Gary, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Ready to go tonight. Had a good manager's pod. We covered some things that uh, everybody ought to check out. Check out both these pods because they're going to be tough this weekend. Yes, sir. And we got a very special guest tonight at IDP, Evan, the Young King, Evan Ronda, the host of the IDP After Show and the IDP Game Theory Podcast. He's a contributor for Football Guys and the IDP Show, The Young King. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on, as I'm sure you know. I always love chatting football anywhere and everywhere I can. So it's going to be a blast getting to just chat defense with you guys today. Psyched to have you on. Absolutely, man. This will be a good one. So let's get the usual shenanigans out of the way. Tell the people about who you are a little bit. And then we're going to talk a little more ADP this week. I mean, we'll definitely touch on the AFC North, but whatever else comes up as well. Uh, let's start at the beginning, though. So how'd you get into fantasy and more specifically IDP? I like to think of myself as somebody who kind of approaches fantasy from a really unique perspective. I'm a volleyball player. Volleyball has been my only sport pretty much my whole life, so I'm not going to be somebody that's out there thinking I know ball per se, but I'm just somebody who's super competitive. You got a nice spike, man. Look, I'm not going to pat myself on the back or anything, but I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, Volleyball aside, volleyball aside, like I said, you know, I'm super competitive. I want to win and I want to find any way that I can gain an edge over my friends and, and just beat them. And so as somebody who, you know, started playing IDP a few years ago, I was kind of looking around and trying to figure out, you know, what are ways that I can gain an edge and and beat people? And I kind of realized that there was a bit of a void in the space as far as, you know, like trend analysis and game theory as, as it applies specifically to defense. I thought that there was a lot of great content out there that I, you know, really enjoyed uh, absorbing, but I, I wanted to try and fill a niche that I thought people might appreciate. And so I Took a gamble and figured I'd give it a shot. Started up a podcast and initially just covered more general IDP topics, but eventually worked specifically towards, I guess you could call it data analysis, where I went week by week and just chatted about IDP trends. And so that's what I do in season now. But because that has been such a blast, but unfortunately is only something I can do in season, I've picked up some work in the off season working for the IDP show. Josh, Admin, Bobby have been guys that I've worked with for a while now and so getting to start up the idp nice. after show feed has been has been an absolute blast this off season sweet 
Awesome, man. Yeah, a lot of good stuff on there. Everyone should check that out over at the idpshow.com. And you met, you talked about this a little bit, but but what was the spark for the the content creation and the podcasting? Or since you mentioned that already, how, what's that been like? Maybe that's a better question. What, how's your experience been with that so far? It's been kind of surreal. It's hard to describe. Every now and then I'll just take a moment and just sit in silence and reflect on it. And like, how did I get here? Because I think it's honestly just good luck and good people. I don't necessarily think that I'm special and I deserve where I'm at. It's just kind of a coincidence that I happened upon some other people in the industry that liked what I did. And I happened to be at the right place at the right time. I'm not complaining by any means, but uh, I'm just glad that I was given the opportunity to get my voice out there and that people heard it and thought that it was valuable. And as it turns out, it helps some people win leagues. And we've just been rolling with it ever since. Parlaying off of that, I got one for all of us here. So just like fantasy and the fantasy football gods intervene every week. Same thing with this industry. I have to agree. Yeah, that's true, man. The big part of it is uh, who you know, not what you know. That's for sure. Um, All right. So done a lot of best ball this offseason. Obviously, it's startup season. Redrafts right around the corner. All things being even. Uh, what's your preferred dra- uh, strategy in those startups and best ball? Are are you a guy that approaches the linebackers first since there are fewer three down linebackers? Or are you a defensive line guy? What's that look like for you? I guess you could say I've done a few best ball drafts. I, I would say I have a, a problem. Um, I can quit whenever I want, just so you know. I, I've done about 32 of these. <laughs> sure you I, can. Sure you can. I could totally do it. Definitely. It's called an intervention, it's, but the problem is, is the people you're trying to get to help intervene you, they got the same freaking problem. Yep, exactly. So we're not really helping each other out here, uh, but I do try to stick to a general trend. I, I do want to give a quick shout out to DJ Keltown. He wrote a really great article talking about best ball strategy. So instead of just like listening to me, it, listeners, if you guys don't really know me personally, like don't take my word for it. Go look at some data analysis that's actually going to back up this information. But in short, I try to keep it to defensive line early with a few linebackers sprinkled in if I can get value. Uh, And then I try and dip my toes into the water at linebacker when I reach more or less that tail end where we see some really valuable three down linebackers that aren't super, super big names. So like one of my favorite guys that I think is a good example of that is like an Aziz Alshair, for example, you know, plays for the Tennessee Titans now, formerly of the 49ers. I believe he's going to be a guy that's in a somewhat volume-heavy role, and he's going significantly later than so many other players. Uh, Nick Morrow is another great example of, you know, going super, super late according to Best Ball ADP. That, uh, that's, uh, that's from the IDP show. That's what I'm looking at here. But, you know, going super late by ADP, but is still somebody that I believe at least has enough upside that they can finish as a linebacker one. I feel like every season there's some player that is going relatively late at ADP, but simply because they get a lot of volume, they get a lot of tackles. They're like Denzel Perryman of old uh, Nick Bolton. I wouldn't really put into that category because I do believe he's very talented, but he was a super late ADP player. So I try and just take a lot of shots there. And then I will usually spend the last like 12 picks of my draft, just taking defensive backs that I expect to get a lot of volume. But uh, if I take a defensive back, anywhere before like the last 12 rounds i either missed my pick and got auto drafted or derwin james fell like two rounds past his adp and i could pass on him 
The IDP Pros Podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is the sponsor of Circa Millions and Circa Survivor, which are both back. Over $14 million in guaranteed prizes are up for grabs. With the Circa Millions, you have five NFL picks against the spread every week. And with the Circa Survivor, you just pick a different money line winner each week of the season. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. The Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there in the last weekend of August. Come join us. Get all the details at circasports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A sports.com. What would you do with that money if you won? I, for one, would retire. And my survivor pick to start the season is going to have to be the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, taking care of business against the Detroit Lions to start the season Thursday night in week one. So, Evan, uh, I've asked you this question before, but for the listeners, could you tell us about what your favorite format and platform is? Yeah, so I play primarily on Sleeper. I love the user interface. It's where I you know, spend most of my time when I originally just played offensive football. And so uh, when I first started playing IDP, that's where I started playing it as well. Now, fully willing to admit there are some platform limitations there, especially for those that like to have cornerbacks and defensive tackles. Uh, but I'm a young buck and uh, I like shiny objects. And so I have a hard time playing on MFL simply because the platform looks like it hasn't been updated since I've been born. And so um, shots fired. I'm so sorry. I know there are a lot of listeners here that love MFL, and I fully admit that its capabilities as a platform are pretty much unrivaled as far as what you can specifically adjust. Uh, But I love the user interface for Sleeper. And I also got to give a shout out to Reality Sports Online as that's where I play in my contract leagues. And I see it as a similar platform to MFL in that you can have your cornerbacks and defensive tackles. You can have position-specific scoring, which I believe is a huge plus. And so if I'm, if I'm you know, really, really getting nerdy and really getting degenerate, that's where I'll play. Man, what about all 22? Have you dipped your toe in that water yet? I haven't yet. And my reasoning for that is because uh, I'm really competitive and I want to win. And I will not accept me not trying as hard as I can to do that. And I'm also willing to admit that if I were to jump into all 22, I would be outmatched and outgunned by people that just straight up know ball better than I do. And so if I wanted to be able to compete at that level, I'd have to do a lot of research. And I don't really have time to do the research that I believe would be necessary to really compete there. So I I let the guys that know ball play that. And and if I you know get to a point where I'm comfortable enough to hop in on that platform, I'll give it a shot. But from a you know not participating standpoint, but just kind of seeing it from the sideline, it looks super cool. I love the concept of just if you're good at football, you score points. Um, so it's been fun to watch from the sidelines, but I haven't yet dipped my toes in the water. Man, I'm going to tweak this question a little bit because we're going to give you some time later for this. But what's the we're getting close. We're a couple months away. What are you most excited about this season? Hmm, man, that's a great question. Obviously, there are a ton of ambiguous situations. Uh, We're hoping to get some clarity in training camp. And I did an episode about this on the after show a little bit ago, just talking about like all the different situations, all the camp battles. So obviously, that's going to be the big one is just who wins out, who gets a starting role at this place or this place. And and those are all great. Um, You know what guys look like when they they're on new teams. That's going to be another one that I'm really excited about players in new positions. But man, I I would be lying if I didn't tell you that Aaron Rodgers is the number one thing that I'm most excited for. I personally 
you know, all, all other things aside, I still think he has MVP caliber football remaining and I'm excited to see what he can do in New York. And so I know this is a defensive podcast, but look, I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you guys. Offense is fun too. And uh, that's probably the number one storyline that I'm excited for. Hey, Rogers. I mean, I think that's the worst thing that anybody could do is doubt the man. I mean, we've doubted him before and somehow he keeps freaking doing it. So we'll see. I love that. And I agree as well. I'm a couple hours away from New York, so it'd be nice to have the Jets not stink for once in uh, in a while. So, uh, But with that being said, let's get into our topic this week. We're going to do a little ADP analysis, and we're going to kind of use the AFC North as a jumping off platform, and we'll see where we land. Much like last week, we're going to talk about players, if we think their ADP is accurate or not. And with that in mind, can we get deals on this guy, on these guys, or are they, you know, going too high and maybe they're not worth it? Uh, let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers, though. And while we're talking about the Steelers, let's get Evan's take on a season prediction since that's, I guess, your favorite team. I, I know you're not really a team guy, but give us your shot anyway. I feel like the Steelers are a lock to be just barely above 500 every season at this point with Mike Tomlin. Now, I, I love Mike Tomlin. You know, football aside, I still think he's an amazing coach, an amazing leader. It's Basically, the only reason I still consider myself a Steelers fan. So uh, 500, you know, nine and eight seems about median as far as like what's realistic. But it also kind of seems like the floor for them, too. They're in one of the most loaded divisions in football, at least in my opinion. So it's going to be very difficult for them to really exceed, especially, you know, getting 10, 11, 12 wins. Maybe they make the playoffs, but their lack of. I guess you could just say quarterback upside is what really concerns me. I mean, you're in a division with Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, if he's able to return to his you know, former skill. Kenny Pickett, like let's just say Kenny Pickett hits a 90th percentile range of outcome and actually like wows all of us. He's still probably going to be significantly lower as far as you know talent and upside goes compared to those other guys and I'm fully willing to admit that even as a Steelers fan so you know quarterback explosiveness is not going to be what really drives the excitement factor for this team but I do think that they are going to be consistent I think they're going to be well coached I think they're going to be competitive and uh I'm probably not going to enjoy watching most of their games because it's going to be a slugfest Run the ball, you know, Matt Canada offense. Let's uh, get two throws down the sideline incomplete. Throw a check down behind the line of scrimmage on third and 10. Tackled for a loss and punt the ball. And then play great defense and do it all over again. So Steelers football, baby. It's going to be a good time. That is Steelers football. You You just described it perfectly. The IDP Pros Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite Major League Baseball and College Baseball player props. So many ways to win over on Underdog and active in so many states. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. 
we're talking about the Steelers. Let's start with the linebackers, and we'll go, Evan, do you see any, we'll say inside linebackers that you like on the Steelers, any deals you see in there in terms of ADP or where they're going in startups or best ball? Anytime we're talking about values or the marketplace, it's important to discuss you know, which market we're talking about. Obviously, ADP fluctuates a lot by site. And so uh, my ADP, what I'm looking at is the average draft position from all of these best ball drafts that have been hosted by the IDP show. And these are paid drafts full with relatively knowledgeable to very, very knowledgeable IDP managers. And so I would argue that this is very sharp ADP, but it might not necessarily be the same ADP that a lot of the listeners here are are seeing on their platforms. And so I'll give a little bit of a, a just definition or, you know, a, a general idea of, of what I'm looking at here, but just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It might not be the same as the platform you're using, but talking about inside linebackers with the Steelers, you have to start off with Cole Holcomb. He's currently being drafted in best ball on average as a linebacker 26. And I see him as the guy that's simply going to take over that three down workload in Pittsburgh. I think he's going to be their number one inside linebacker, and he could be a value depending on which platform you're on because he was a free agent moving on to a new team, was injured for a portion of the end of the season last year. So, you know, people that just look at end of season point totals might not necessarily catch on to him, especially considering it's a relatively ambiguous situation. So if people aren't super, super keen on the free agent landing spots for a lot of these guys, he could be slipping in some less tried and true leagues. I haven't trusted him for a long time. It's not going to change in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, uh, maybe in a deep dark throw. Yeah. Looking at the ADP for what somebody that might be on more on the novice side, beginner side on FTNfantasy.com. They actually have the update up to date. We used it last week and we used the, what was it? The AFC East. And it was like crazy. You had like Greg Ruscio being drafted before Matt Milana. So we, we spoke of that situation where all that is going to kind of square away when we get the rush in the drafts for, you know, preseason, it's going to really pick up. And then by the time we need the ADP really in that kind of a format, uh, it's too late. Season started. What good is football content if it doesn't cover both sides of the ball? The SGPN IDP pros have you covered on defense, but we have more to offer than just IDP. Check out our flagship podcast, the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast with Emerson Beery and Justin Bruni. Follow that up with a chaser of old-fashioned football with your hosts, Justin and Miranda Mark. All of the SGPN podcasts pride themselves on their actionable content. They bring the research and analysis you need to win. So help support SGPN and download the SGPN app and catch all of our premium football content. Let's look at the defensive line. Evan, uh, what sticks out to you in regards to defensive line on the Steelers? We'll include the outside linebackers and the DE type guys here. Yeah, and real quick before we get to to the defensive line, a quick shout to Landon Roberts. Talk about an absolute deep play. He seems like the linebacker, too, in Pittsburgh. That's really all I need to say about him. Uh, but for the defensive line, obviously, TJ Watt, he's the guy. Defensive player of the year and then got injured last year, but still was very, very productive. Uh, he might still be a linebacker on some platforms, but if he is, 
catch up, baby. Come on. He's a, he's a defensive lineman now in a, uh, in a modern, uh, modern era of, of IDP. So he's, uh, he's going as the defensive lineman three, edge three in these uh, best ball drafts. That seems about right. There's a, a tier of about maybe five guys at the top that I could argue any of them deserve to be taken in front of any of the others. So I don't need to waste my breath really talking about TJ Watt. He is what he is. Alex Highsmith is a guy that I think might be a little overrated, and that hurts to say because I love the guy. Even as a Steelers fan, he is being taken as the defensive lineman 15, the edge 13 in these drafts. And I think that he's being taken at his ceiling. Uh, he's going to need to produce at about the rate that he did last year without TJ Watt in order to probably return on that investment. And I don't believe that that's out of the range of outcomes for him. But if we see something a little bit more like a return to the mean a little bit, get some variance in the negative direction, he's might not really produce at that rate. But another guy, Cameron Hayward, is still a stud. He's probably a defensive tackle in your league, and he's being drafted as the defensive lineman 28 or the defensive tackle 8. And he is probably the guy that at price I could qualify as the value most simply because he's not being drafted as, you know, a first, you know, top three guy or being overdrafted. I really think he's somebody that is going to continue to produce and people might just have some name fatigue on him simply because he's an older player. Yeah, I don't I don't get that, man. He's been locked and loaded every year for a long time. I love me some Cameron Hayward, especially a defensive tackle. Good stuff right there. What about the safety situation? So obviously Minka's locked and loaded, but what do you think about that other safety slot this year? Is there a deal to be had there? Yeah, I always get a kick out of talking about this, the Pittsburgh safety situation whenever I'm on a podcast because I, I just take a sec, you know, listeners, who do you think is starting a strong safety for the Steelers this season? Just like let that marinate for a sec. It's a really weird situation. Is it going to be Keanu Neal? Is it going to be, I mean, like Scott Nelson? Is it going to be Miles Killebrew? Like my best bet is probably Keanu Neal because they brought him in. He has a lot of experience playing strong safety or even linebacker. So he's probably going to be the guy in the box replacing Terrell Edmonds. I'm not excited about it, but I wasn't all that excited about Terrell Edmonds either. So he has a very high variance. I mean, his standard deviation of draft position, which just means, you know, how many picks does he tend to vary on a draft by draft basis is like three rounds in either direction. So <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, you might have a Steelers fan in your draft that's absolutely locked and loaded on him, or he could go completely undrafted. So Keanu Neal's probably going to be a guy that you see on waivers after week one. Maybe he gets a tackle for a loss and gets a spike week and you pick him up, stash him on your bench to see what he does. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing all my chips in on him, but there's a chance that he produces occasionally. So that's about all that he deserves as far as airtime goes. I can see how you're connected with what sites you're connected with so quickly. All right, good stuff there with the Steelers. Let's pick it up with the Ravens. Let's start at linebacker. So I, I think this is an interesting situation. Obviously, we know Roquan's good to go. Uh, but, you know, we had the rookie drafted at the other linebacker slot in the offseason. Patrick Queen's PFF score is hot dog crap occasionally. Uh, do you think there's a changing of the guard there this year? And if so, does that lead to some value? What, what are your thoughts in general? Yeah, this is this is where it gets really exciting, right? So this is where I have to fully admit I... I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to evaluating talent, when it comes to understanding scheme, reading camp reports. As it stands right now, obviously, we have Patrick Queen, 
And we have Trenton Simpson. Patrick Queen is going into his fourth season. They declined his fifth-year option, but last season when he didn't have that competition, he was basically a 100% snap player and was pretty productive, but they brought in Trenton Simpson. However, he was drafted in the third round, and while he was an exciting prospect, he's still a third-round linebacker, which doesn't necessarily demand playing time, especially in their rookie season. And we also know that this Ravens defense is a little bit challenging for rookie linebackers, as we've seen most recently with Patrick Queen. So if I had to choose a you know an outcome, and I don't think that that's how managers should play the game. I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but you know, have a general idea for a range of outcomes. What is all you know? What are all the possible outcomes, and what are the likelihood that you believe all those outcomes occur? But in this instance, I I think Patrick Queen probably plays out the season. And I think Trenton Simpson then takes over next year. But it's not out of the question that Trenton Simpson earns a spot in the starting lineup at some point. Or, worst case scenario, both guys just kind of vulture each other and Roquan Smith ends up being the only valuable guy. I haven't drafted any of Patrick Queen or Trenton Simpson in basketball drafts this season because I'd rather just not do it. Patrick Queen's price right now is linebacker 17 in these best ball drafts, which is just absurd to me considering his risk. And Trent Simpson's being drafted at a pretty nice linebacker 69, which isn't terrible, but like he could also just put up zeros every single week. And that's not a guy that I want on my roster. Yeah, that's a great point. If you remember right, too, there is actually a former Buckeye second rounder, same year as Patrick Queen sitting on that depth chart. So Ravens are known just to take the best off the board at the time. They could turn around and draft. They could let... Patrick Queen, go. I've been making a call. He's on the trade block since, what, January or December. I figured that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Patrick Queen somewhere else next year or traded this year. And they turn around and freaking, if there's somebody in the first or second round they like as an inside linebacker in the draft next year, they'll do it again because that's how they are going to address it. Prior to Queen getting his full-time snaps last year, that second linebacker, what, average 50? 40. So that was an outlier season for Patrick Queen. So we don't even know if Trent Simpson needs to come in or I can't remember the Buckeye's name, man. And I'm a Buckeye. So I am like ready to shoot myself in the foot. Just looking at the ADP, Malik Harrison or Josh Ross? Malik Harrison. He was drafted, what, second round after Patrick Queen in that same season. Thought it was going to be a one-two punch. We don't know for a fact that they're going to turn around, even if they do it with Patrick Queen again this year, that they feel that Trent Simpson or Malik Harrison or even somebody else they draft is going to come in. Why do that? You have Roquan Smith. They originally wanted Patrick Queen to be a single guy running that defense to begin with, with the secondary. You have Kyle Hamilton coming up. So I I really wonder if he'll be on this roster to start the season. Definitely possible. It's dangerous. That uh, That's the point we're all making here. It's dangerous. If it's not Roquan, it's dangerous. Good stuff there. Let's look at the defensive line. Uh, so we got Owe in his second year here. We got a few other guys. Uh, anything that sticks out there on the defensive line? Yeah, it sticks out, I guess, is a way of saying it. They're one of the least exciting defensive line teams as far as upside goes at least according to adp their highest drafted defensive lineman is being taken as the defensive lineman where am i looking at here defensive lineman 55 so you know there are 54 guys going ahead of their highest drafted guy and david ajabo right now actually has the highest adp probably because in my opinion at least 
just just based on what I think the market's doing here is they've seen two healthy seasons of Odafe Owe, and he hasn't really wowed anyone. Meanwhile, we haven't really seen any healthy David Ajabo. And, you know, before he got injured and tore his Achilles uh, going into the draft, he was technically a first-round prospect. So if he's able to return to form, he theoretically has more upside and in a best ball draft format where I'm getting this ADP, upside is everything. Uh, but as a manager in a redraft league where I'm actually managing my roster on a week-to-week basis, neither player is really a guy that I'm all that interested in. I fully admit that there's a chance that they are able to ascend and be productive players, but just the way that the you know the Ravens use their edges, you're not going to really see a ton of super consistent high upside production from anybody unless they're extreme outliers, and I'm not really willing to gamble on extreme outliers. Good stuff there. Yep, couldn't agree more. Very underwhelming defensive line across the board. Uh, what about defensive back safeties in particular? Thoughts on Mr. Hamilton and uh, the other guy, Marcus Williams? Yeah, this is where it gets really interesting. Kyle Hamilton is being taken as the uh, defensive back number seven. And I- I'm actually doing a, what is it, a, a defensive back kind of dynasty ranking show next week on the IDP show podcast. And I had to really reflect on this for a little bit. I'm like, do I, how much do I like Kyle Hamilton? And I might have him absurdly high. I might actually throw this back to you guys on, on how high you might have him ranked. I think I have him as high as like three. Where did I rank him? I ranked him. I ranked him number two. Wow. I might need to adjust that. So right now, cancel me, you guys, if you need to. No! But I have Kyle Hamilton as my number two dynasty safety. Uh, how do you guys feel dude, about that real quick? Dude, it, I know it's hot out there in Arizona, but brother. <laughs> brother. Yeah, I might, come need, to, on, I might man. need to cool off a little bit. Find another air conditioner, whatever it is. I, just give me your address. I'm sending you another one, another unit for the window. You need, you're overheating because... I just personally don't believe it. I, I just mentioned that we, we just talked about AFC North on the manager's pod recently, and I, I'm having a hard time just crowning the guy based off of the sample that we had last year, and including the history. I, I can't imagine. I mean, we had Marcus Williams for a few games last year. It just looked like the next thing, and then he gets hurt. I, I, I'm one of those kind of prove-it guys. So number two, oh, Brother, I'm having trouble getting him in top 12 at the moment. I mean, I like him dynasty. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I like him in dynasty, but I just, I'm not 100% sold, especially this year. What happens if they do decide to resign Patrick Queen? Because this shit works. Maybe he doesn't get no offers. Maybe he's a home. There's all kinds of ifs. I, I just, I, I'm not a believer at this point. But hey, yeah. man, I love the faith. It's as honestly, and that's the rational take. No, maybe, maybe my thought process here is is when I look at these dynasty ranks, maybe my bias is youth and talent, not necessarily production yet, because I see DB, especially in a dynasty landscape, is an extremely volatile position, and so year over year production is going to change a ton. And when I look at Jalen Petrie and and his shortcomings as an NFL player, and while he scored a bunch of points for fantasy. I, I see him as a guy that, like, I don't know if he's going to have a job by the time his rookie contract is up. Like, I hope he does. I want the guy to succeed. Don't don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, but those missed tackle numbers and, you know, you may or may not be a PFF guy, but his PFF grades weren't super great. So maybe he improves, maybe not. But Kyle Hamilton is a guy that I believe is extremely talented and will get great usage. And theoretically, that could lead to really good production. But again, 
all that aside, I'm still in the outlier by having him anywhere near, you know, two, even top 12 is probably a bit of a reach, but that's already too much time talking about this safety group. Uh, Mark, uh, Marcus Williams is exciting. He's a deep safety. So probably going to be more volatile and don't sleep on Marlon Humphrey and cornerback required leagues. He is still chugging along. Good stuff there. Like let's hit up the Cincinnati Bengals and let's talk a little linebacker first thoughts on Logan Wilson. Are you with the hype and Jermaine Pratt as well? Yeah, not really. I don't, again, I, I'm never going to be the kind of person that talks down on a player. They are all way more athletic than me, way more handsome than me, way more uh, productive and fantasy than me. Uh, but he has a price tag right now in best ball drafts of linebacker 14. I'm usually not drafting linebackers that high, just straight up. I don't think that there is a super strong correlation between ADP and production at linebacker, at least compared to a defensive line. And just basically what I mean is like, if I could choose to have by ADP the defensive line 12 or the linebacker 12 versus then having the linebacker 24 versus the defensive line 24, like I'll take the defensive line 12 and linebacker 24 over the linebacker 12 and the defensive line 24. All that to say, I prefer high-end defensive linemen over high-end linebackers. And so Logan Wilson is being drafted, at least according to this ADP, as a high-end linebacker. And so I'm usually just not taking him. But if I switch the gears up a little quick, uh, a little bit real quick, you know, in a dynasty landscape, if I just had him already and I don't need to worry about his price, yeah, I think he's a guy you throw in your lineup and you just leave in there because he's going to play about 100% of snaps, be volatile probably, but still have a really consistent floor and good upside. And Jermaine Pratt, unless his usage changes, is going to be a rotational guy with some spike weeks. FTN Fantasy, check out this ADP. All right, this is what we ran into last week when I was complaining earlier, so give me your opinion. First one, of course, Logan Wilson off the board, right? Ah, that's not a surprise because of popularity or whatever. Trey Hendrickson, number two, Miles Murphy, Sam freaking Hubbard, and fourth. I am looking at 155. Yeah, he's like 380. What kind of ADP is this? <clears throat> but it's FTN fantasy.com and they say that they're giving the up-to-date so sam hubbard should not be going forth on this list i i believe what do you think evan i agree with you uh, according to this best ball adp he's actually the second player on the team drafted right behind logan wilson so i i would probably think that sharper managers would have him taken a little bit closer to that spot Boom. but it's certainly possible i mean the rookie hype is uh is very very real so miles murphy being drafted that high wow I'm not necessarily surprised, but I don't like it either. Yeah, definitely not accurate. Speaking of defensive line, let's talk about that real quick. Uh, yeah, thoughts on Trey Hendrickson, thoughts on Miles Murphy and Sam Hubbard. What do, you, what do you think? I think this team is pretty cut and dry as far as what we should expect to see from these players. Logan Wilson and Sam Hubbard are very consistent tandem. Logan Wilson is more of a pass rush specialist, not to say that He's a, like a one-trick pony per se, but his specialty is more so getting to the quarterback versus Sam Hubbard's special specialty is, is more about defending the run. Not to say that a player has you know any glaring deficiencies on the other end, but Sam Hubbard's going to be more of your guy for tackle-heavy leagues, and Logan Wilson will be your guy for more big play leagues. And I believe that uh, Miles Murphy's probably going to be a developmental rotational guy behind him, just kind of like uh, Joseph Osai was in his first NFL season, which was his second actual season because he was injured his, his first year. But I, I don't really think that Miles Murphy is going to be a guy that you want to target in redraft leagues. He's 
he's a rookie. Rookie defensive linemen rarely are extremely productive. And shout out Will Anderson in his incredibly high ADP. Managers are probably just setting themselves up to be a little bit disappointed. Yep, no arguments there. I'll probably barely play this year, and uh, playing time equals production. And real quick, let's talk defensive backs here in general or, or in specific safeties. Any thoughts on Jordan Battle? How do you think the Dax Hill-Nick Scott situation works itself out? Yeah, this is this is where things get really exciting. This is where I believe managers can find some value. Now, Dax Hill is being drafted as the safety 25, defensive back 31, which might be relatively high according to other sites ADP, but he profiles as more of a box safety. Now, he didn't get to play very much his rookie year, and his only real game playing was filling in for Mike Hilton, so he played more as a slot corner. But don't be mistaken, he will be a starting safety on a team that utilizes their safeties in a productive way. But the safety two position is really where I want to touch on for value. Obviously, the battle between Nick Scott and Jordan Battle will be exciting. I think Jordan Battle ultimately wins out, but I've been wrong in the past because I thought, hey, spending a first-round pick on a safety is going to be really, really good for that safety, except, oh, he barely played it all his rookie year. So while I don't necessarily think that Nick Scott is as much uh, of in demand as playing time as Jesse Bates and Von Bell were last year, I do think that there's a good chance that Nick Scott uh, is is maybe starts the season, but Jordan Battle maybe takes it over at some point. Granted, it's also important to note Jordan Battle was a free safety in college, and so I would still prefer Dax Hill playing 100% of snaps to uh, Jordan Battle playing 100% of snaps. Hey, all you crazy IDP fans. We are hosting the IDP Pros Breast Cancer Awareness Giveaway, where you can win a Roquan Smith Baltimore Ravens jersey. All you have to do to enter is donate $3 or more to any nationally recognized cancer organization and post a pic of your donation with the hashtag IDPROS. That's hashtag IDPPros. The drawing will be held on August 24th. Find more information on this podcast's Twitter page or on any of your favorite IDP Pros accounts. Enter today and help us bring cancer to its knees. Beautiful. Good stuff there. All right. And we'll round things out with the Cleveland Browns here. And we got a mess at linebacker. Uh, we've been just saying avoid this. There are plenty of other linebackers out there. Do you have a take on their situation there? Yeah, I. it's tough. It's tough. Fully, fully willing to admit that last season was absolutely brutal. As somebody who had to pour through the game logs on a week by week basis and actually try and predict who is going to be the guy to play next season, man, I was trying to figure out how to pronounce Jordan Kunyazik by the end of the season. And that's, that's when I realized I needed to just move on with my life this season. First of all, I'm hoping it will be a lot better. Now there is value and ambiguity. I will start off with that. When people don't know something, if you are able to correctly predict it, obviously that's going to be good for you. Now, I think really what the debate is for this team is what the actual upside of a starting linebacker looks like. Will we see a full-time linebacker here? Will we see a guy that plays 100% of snaps? Or are we only going to see maybe 80% and just a big rotation? I think that's the real question that I'll pose to people that are smarter when it comes to scheme stuff. Uh, but as it stands right now, we're looking at Jeremiah Wusu koromoa and Anthony Walker as the leaders in ADP, and neither player is being drafted very highly according to this best ball ADP. JOK is going as linebacker 46. Anthony Walker is going as linebacker 64. Now, I know it's a new defensive coordinator, but let me re remind the listeners here, at the start of the season last year, 
Anthony Walker was playing nearly 100% of snaps with the green dot ahead of Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. So just throwing that out there. Don't forget. Uh, we could probably blow past uh, defensive line here. This is pretty straightforward. Miles Garrett, that's a top five defensive end pick easily. And Zadarius Smith is a deal anywhere in the top 12, I would say, especially uh, over there in his new situation. Uh, so let's talk a little bit of safety. A uh, bit of a mess here as well. Are you believing in Juan? Th well, Grant Delpit set in stone, but what are your thoughts on Juan Thornhill? I, you know, we've all been bitten by that in Kansas City. Are you trying again over here in Cleveland? Yes, according to my best ball exposure, I am. I don't know <laughs> if my heart really feels like that, but that's generally because I'm taking just a bunch of guys that I think will see volume late in drafts. I'm not sold on whether or not he's going to produce with that volume because, I mean, we can look at like John Johnson from last season. Theoretically speaking, we just see we just see Juan Thornhill. Juan, I always say Juan Thornhill. I get a hard time for, for saying that, so call me out. <laughs> You know, whatever, I'll get some hate on Twitter for it later. But Juan, Juan Thornhill is a deep safety, generally speaking. That's what he did in Kansas City. Now, that was their scheme, but also that seems to be his skill set, especially considering that there is a clearly defined box safety role in this defense, and Grant Delpit absolutely fits that role. So Juan Thornhill is probably not going to be a guy that most managers are relying on as a starter on a week-to-week -week basis, but I think he has a chance to have some spike weeks here and there. And so if you're in a league format where that's valuable for you, he's considerable. But I'm actually more interested in Denzel Ward at cornerback. He is, I believe, making more of a transition to nickel cornerback, slot cornerback. And if he is, uh, if, if you're in a league that has cornerback requirement, he's going to be a guy that is going to be pretty valuable for you. And he's going as the 16th cornerback off the board, according to Best Ball ADP. Beautiful. Good stuff there, man. Uh, so before we give you the floor here, I do have one more question for you. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. If you had to pick one player that you think is the best deal based off of ADP this year, who do you think it would be IDP wise? Hmm. That's a great question. I have actually said two of my favorite candidates so far on the episode already in Aziz Alshair and Nick Morrow. I think that there are a ton of guys, and I also believe managers are they're, they're not setting themselves up for success if they just think about a specific player as a value, but rather think of a player archetype. So instead of thinking about Aziz Alshire and Nick Morrow specifically as these two players are the players I'm targeting, and here's a thread for why, uh, but more so consider them as why are they values? I believe they're values because they're in a situation where they should see a lot of volume and they should be productive with that volume and they're very inexpensive. And so those are two guys that I believe best fit that description, but that description is not limited to only those two players. Beautiful. Love the way you describe that. That's good stuff, man. So tell us about what you're doing this season. What are you writing? What are you podcasting? The floor is yours. Anything you want to shout out? Yeah. Um, so in season, you can find my in-season data analysis podcast at the IDP Game Theory Podcast. Every single week, usually on Monday night, Tuesday morning, I release a very, very short podcast where I just break down the most important trends. Uh, your time is valuable, and frankly, I don't want to record an hour and a half podcast, so I try to keep it to about 10 minutes. You just pop it on on your morning drive, listen to the most important IDP trends that are going to help you set your waivers or understand why players overperformed or underperformed or who's filling in for who in case of an injury. So that's kind of my, my little 
child. That's that's you know what I really pour myself nice. into in season. But uh, in the off season, I'm doing the executive production for the IDP After Show and hosting episodes there and filling in here and there for the uh, the main show for the IDP show when I can. And then also, if you guys are more of a reader and less of a podcaster, I also write for footballguys.com in season where it's really just my podcast script in article format. So if you'd rather read it, you can just read it there. Remind me, how long you been doing this? <laughs> um, last season was really my first full season, uh, but I've been doing <clears throat> podcasts for about uh, two or three years now at this point. All right. My, before we close, I got to ask, you going to be at the expo in Ken? Probably not. Traveling is expensive and, and I do a lot of stuff, but I'll probably make it up there at some point in my life, I hope. I was going to sit next to you so I'd be by the smart kid to class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, dude, thank you as always. I appreciate it, man. I know Gary does too. Uh, this was this oh was, yeah, this was great. This this was excellent. Everyone should be following him. He's at IDP Evan on Twitter, also known as the Young King. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>